We were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to do life without the grace of God. Hold on to grace. Thank you for joining us for Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. (laughs) Hallelujah. Tonight, I want to start off with a true story. Maybe some of you can identify with this. My wife and I, we were going somewhere down south into Savannah, not too long ago, and we were going to be driving her car. Now, we don't drive her car a lot. And it's still sort of new. So anyway, we would normally start off on a long journey sometime in the morning, you know, while the light is still up, you know, got plenty of sunlight to drive with. But on this particular occasion, we had to get out of there. We had to go and visit a family. And so we just had to leave late in the day. So as we're driving down the road, the sun going down, I'm driving the car, you know, being the man, I'm driving the car. Praise the Lord. Now, we started off that journey with the deck somewhat stacked against us because I was already tired. (laughs) I've been tired that week, needed a rest, but got to go, got to go. Put on your cape and fly down, right? So we're going down this very dark expressway, and I'm noticing these headlights aren't so bright. You know, as we're going down the road, you know, just going down, it's kind of squinching a little bit, okay. All right, we've just got to deal with it. Lord, help us just to deal with these lights as we go on down this very dark expressway. So as we continue going down the road, you know, I'm getting tired. I say, okay, you know what? Let's go ahead and pull over. Let you go ahead and take the wheel. We stop and get some refreshments at one of the convenience stores, you know, get back in the car, get gas. And then as she's driving, she's had more experience with this car than I have. She notices the headlights aren't even on. (laughs) I had been driving. This is one of those embarrassing moments been driving with the parking lights on. You know, it's one of those newer cars, so the side lights are a little bit brighter. And so here I am, I'm straining driving down the road, and she turns them on, like, oh boy, now I can see everything. You know, and in that, the Lord really began to tell me that that's how we can go through life. And you're so used to things being automatic, take things for granted that when it's time for light, you'll have light. Not knowing that sometimes we can turn them off by accident and we can live life worried, frustrated, fearful, anxious, simply because we didn't know, didn't remember, weren't aware of that our lights weren't even on. When she turned those lights on, we could see, praise the Lord. Not only that, but we had access now to bright lights, high beam lights, praise the Lord. So it is with that thought tonight, let me bring you this word entitled, Hold On to Grace. Hold on to grace. Because the grace of God is just like those car lights. I mean, you can drive down life and you're doing your thing for the Lord. You're trying your best to be saved, to walk that saved, sanctified life. But it can get really, really hard if you forget about God's grace. You can think that it's all about you and you got to do it and you got to be the one with the S. Hallelujah. You got to be the one with the cape and do this and that and the other without remembering you forgot the grace. It's easy to fall from grace and get right back into works, right back into good intentions. 
And then that's how burnout comes in, you know. I'm tired of doing this. I'm not sure how many of you have ever asked the question before. Lord, how long can I do this? How long can I continue to do this? How long? How long? How long? Well, those type of questions come from the fact that we have somewhere, somehow, we have slipped away from the grace in that area. We know that there is saving grace. We're saved by grace. Hallelujah. It empowers the grace of God, empowers us to do the impossible. The grace of God empowers us also to do, yes, to do and to be. We're saved by grace. And because of grace, we can do the impossible and we can be who we should be. So we have to hold on to grace. So before we go into further, examine your life. Has it been really, really hard? Sometimes, I'm not sure if you've had the experience before, but you get so tired sometimes you just want to cry. Just so tired, so, so frustrated, so aggravated, don't know what to do. Somewhere along the way, we stop with grace. We let go of grace. Somewhere along the way, we dropped it. So I believe the Lord is telling us tonight, hold on to grace. Check your headlights. Make sure that they're on. Your life will get so much easier because we were never meant to do life alone. We were never meant to do life without the grace of God. Let me show you something here. We're going to start here. Let's go to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Very familiar text of scripture. Let me show you this. Matthew 16. And I'm reading to you out of the King James Version. Matthew 16. Very familiar. And this is going to set the foundation of our time tonight. So Matthew 16, I'll read verse 13 and we'll just go on down to a finish. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? What I know what they're saying about me in society. You know, recently there was, I believe, a Time magazine saying, who is Jesus? Somewhere, one of the magazines on the cover. What is the world saying about me? What are they saying about me? Okay, but here's the big question. What do you say about me? Whom do you say that I am? Then, of course, 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's stop right there for a moment. Now consider that this is all about identity. Identity. The Lord said, first of all, what do they say about me? Who they say that I am? Now who do you say that I am? Peter gets the knowledge from the father. You are the Christ. You are in effect. You are the grace giver. We understand that law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You are the Christ. You are the grace giver. Jesus, you have been identified. After Jesus is identified, he immediately identifies who Peter is. He says, and I say unto you that you are Peter. You are the smaller rock here. So the father tells Peter who Jesus is and Jesus identifies who Peter is. And this is how the church is meant to be built, is meant to be constructed. The Lord said that he is the builder. He said, upon this rock, I will build. Jesus is the builder. What's the foundation? The foundation is knowing who Jesus is, the revelation knowledge of Jesus as Christ, the grace giver. We stand on that foundation. And then the first thing Jesus does is begin to build. And he builds us by telling us who we are. It's important to know who Jesus is. Hallelujah. We're lost without that. Secondly, you must know who you are in him. 
He will breathe that word to you. This is who you are. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is how you're different from all the others. And all of us are unique. Not one of us have the same exact calling. Our father loves variety. How many flowers are there in the world? I have no idea. How many bugs? No idea. How many fish? No idea. None whatsoever. The father loves variety of every kind. And he's called us all unique, unique and special. And so he tells Peter, as he's telling you and I, after you have the revelation of who Jesus is, you've called him Savior, Lord, your God, your king. And then the second thing the Lord does with you, as he did with me, as he did with Peter, he tells you who you are. This is what I called you to do. And without the knowledge of who you are in him, we just sort of walk through life wondering, what am I here to do? What am I here to do? We sort of just just sort of shoot at anything, hoping to hit the target. But we don't have an idea. But we have to be in the presence of the Lord for him to tell us who we are. And it's with that knowledge that we then begin to move forward through and with his grace. I love what Paul said. He said, I am what I am. By the grace of God, by the grace, the grace of God empowers me to do the grace of God empowers me to be. I need the grace of God. Hold on to the grace of God. We must hold on to his grace. And even when the apostle gets into a tight spot, right? Let's look at that for a second. When things began to get tough and a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet the apostle because he's had so much revelation. What did the Lord tell him there in second Corinthians 12 chapter second Corinthians 12? The Lord says to him in verse number eight through 10. Let's read this this time out of the New Living Translation. And it says three different times. I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said what my grace is all you need. King James says my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. The devil's coming at me, Lord. The devil's coming at me on the job. He's coming at me in my home. He's coming at me in my car. He's coming at me through my pocketbook. He's coming at me, Lord. Take it away. Stop this struggle. Stop this torment. Stop this torture. Jesus tells him, my grace is all you need. I feel like I can jump right now. My grace is all you need. Let's read on a little bit further. He said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. If people say, I'm so weak, I'm so weak. Well, then you qualify for his strength. Glory to God. You qualify for his strength. I can't do it anymore. You qualify. He says again, my grace is all you need for my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then am I strong. We get this thing so mixed up. The time that you want to give up and throw in the towel. That's the time that you're at your strongest in Christ when we receive his strength. That's an opportunity for you to rise up, rise up at that moment. I can't take it, Lord. I can't do this. I can't handle these folk again on my nerves. At that point, at that moment, you are a candidate for receiving the strength of God. Oh, glory to God. 
actually, again, I mean, when we feel like we're down and out, that's the time that we're actually overcoming, overcoming. And so we're meant to live by his strength. Romans 5. Let's look at Romans 5. We'll just do one verse. Romans 5 verse 17 tells you really how we're meant to live. Romans 5 talks really a lot about Adam, the first Adam, you know, how he messed up. And then how the last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, came and did everything new, made everything new again. He made it wonderful. He made it possible for us to be supernatural beings. You know, without the grace of God, we're natural. We're only natural. We're subject to the natural things of this world. That's it. But through the grace of God, we have been reconciled to God the Father. We have a perfect relationship with him. We stand in righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus. Therefore, we have access to the kingdom of God and everything that we need. That's why Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added unto you. But if we forsake the grace of God, then we're just doing life like a natural person. They lose a job, they cry. We lose a job, we cry. You know, they're stressed out about the stock market. We're stressed out about the stock market. They're stressed out about high food prices. How am I going to pay my groceries? And we, how am I going to pay my groceries? Wait, wait, I thought you had a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I go to church sometime. No, no, we cannot forsake the grace of God. Look at it again, Romans 5, verse 17. It says this, for if by one man's offense in King James, For if by one man's offense, death reign by one, much more they which receive. See, you got to receive. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We're meant to reign in life, but you can't reign without the grace of God. We need the grace of God. We entered into the kingdom by his grace. You were saved by grace and not of works. At least anyone should boast, right? We entered in by grace and we're meant to continue with this grace. The grace of God starts us and the grace of God takes us through and we'll end with the grace of God. We're not meant to drop it at the altar. We have to always take an inventory of who we are. Are my headlights on? Because you can drive through life again with dim lights and thinking that's all there is. I guess I'm just supposed to live by this monthly check that I get. I guess that's all there is. I guess I'm just subject. I'm going to have to take these pills for the rest of my life. That's all there is. I guess I'll always be alone. I'll never get a husband. I'll never get a wife. I guess this is all there is. Living like a natural person. But God makes us supernatural beings. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of God. There must be something else. You are the temple of God's spirit. The power of God works inside of you. He's in you. There's something more to this life. We don't have to be like them. We can be like him. We can be like him all the days of our lives. And so he says through the abundance of grace, they which receive. The abundance of grace. And so the problem is that through pride, you know, fear is really a prideful action. Fear is prideful. Worry is prideful because it always looks at us. Of course, in the middle of the word pride is I, right? P-R-I-D-E. It's always fear, pride, worry always looks at us. 
what we have, what we can't do, what we didn't do right, what we said, what we should have said. And all these things, pride, fear, worry, always looks at us. That's how we fall from grace. If we are not falling from our saving grace, you're still with Christ. But, you know, it's very possible. And I've seen this. It's possible to be born of God and to live in hell and go to heaven. It's possible to live a life full of worry and full of regrets. But I love Jesus. It's possible to live life subject to the natural world, but go to heaven. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. We can miss it. If we fail to get in his word, we fail to study his word, hear his word. If we fail to get the word of God that comes from godly men, godly women, if we fail to listen, because, you know, one thing I noticed, but I didn't notice at the times we were driving down the road. I remember somebody's lights flashing at me. Why people flashing at me? Is something wrong with their cars? No, they're trying to tell me, turn your lights on, turn your lights on. And that's what we're doing tonight. Turn your lights on, turn your headlights on. If you're full of worry, if your life is full of anxiety, if you wonder, how can I take another day? Turn your lights on, hold on to the grace of God. They which receive the abundance of grace. Got to receive it. Pride keeps us from receiving. I can do this. It's so slippery. It's so sneaky. We get so used to doing it hard. So used to be filled with burdens. So used to be weighed down. So used to straining to see, straining to do that we don't realize we didn't turn them on. I just didn't turn them on. And when they're on, it's so much easier. Life gets so much easier. But we must hold on to the grace of God. So I tell you tonight, as I close... Take an inventory of your life. We don't have to live a hard, burdensome life. We don't have to live life in regret. We don't. We can experience the peace of God. We can truly rest in God. I love the example that the Lord Jesus gave us when he was in a boat with the disciples. The storm was a raging and they were ah, freaking out. They were just freaking out. Lord, don't you care? But what was Jesus doing? He was in the back of the boat asleep. Perfect peace in the midst of a storm. Perfect peace. Just peace. So what happens? Disciples wake him up and he comes. He first deals with what was worrying them. He deals with it. You know, he rebukes the wind and tells the sea, peace be still. And of course, they marveled. What did Jesus do? He simply released what was in him. He was full of peace. He released the peace. You can't give something away that you don't have. He released the peace. And in this hour, your co-workers, your friends, your neighbors are going to need peace. They're going to need a word from God. But if we're not operating in it because we failed to receive the abundance of grace, because he has it abundantly, if we fail to receive it, then how can they get it? You can be a walking word. You can be that example that God has set for them. But we have to receive it. So I pray this word has blessed you tonight and I pray that you'll be so richly encouraged. Turn your lights on and hold on to God's grace. God bless you all tonight. And thank you for joining us, Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word.
You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Hold On to Grace, by Mark Stroud. This message is number 6615, that's 6615. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6615 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the Word. Brothers of the Word.